Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce you to Talia Delju today. She is a positive psychology expert and life coach guiding people into the next chapter of their lives from a healed and whole place. With her three cornerstones of self-discovery, self-healing, and self-leadership, she creates space for people's inner wisdom to be revealed and lived. In her practice, she works with people who are trying to answer life's big questions like what's next, what's really important to me, who am I, and what do I really want, what is my purpose in this lifetime, and her approach focuses firstly on inner child work so that our core beliefs, needs, desires, and resources can be brought to the surface. Welcome! I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah, I think we have so much to dive into. I'm so curious and excited to see where we go with the conversation. Me too, especially because, you know, I was checking out your Instagram and to give this conversation context, um, one of your, I think she's clear that she's worked with you. She's told me that, um, but Lillian, does she go by Lillian Gray, Charles? Is that her? Uh Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she was on my previous podcast. So if you guys remember, if you've been here for a while and listening, you may remember her. She does, um, style therapy and she's really, really cool and an awesome, awesome woman, um, doing really interesting work. And she's also based in Atlanta where you are correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so she had sent me an email and connected us and was like, I think you two would really like hit it off and it would be a great podcast conversation. And it was the perfect timing. And I know that also part of what you do in addition to inner child work is, um, IFS, internal family systems. And I'm sure that'll come up in our conversation, but I was sharing with you before we started recording that that's something that's really been at the forefront of my mind because I started reading, um, the book or technically listening to the book, (laughs) good inside by, um, Dr. Becky. And I honestly don't even know her last name. How funny is that? Cause she just goes by like Dr. Becky. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. I feel like it's like, it starts with the G maybe I also think very like normal. Yeah. 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 It's it's like Johnson or something like that. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but anyway, just Dr. Becky. Um, 
And I think what her work is really grounded in is internal family systems, but she's coming at it through the lens of like parenting. But what I found really, really interesting and insightful and helpful about it is that I'm like, oh my God, this is what I actually need to be telling myself in moments of reactivity. It's what I need to be um, knowing and putting having in like the forefront of my mind, when I interact with my partner, my fiance, you know, like we trigger the shit out of each other constantly. Yeah, And sure. that like just reading the first couple chapters of that book and like having it in the back of my mind has been, I can't even tell you immensely helpful yep. in sort of contextualizing the conversations that we're having or the triggers that are coming up and helping me to respond in a different way without feeling like I'm like just surrendering and letting him kind of like walk all over me or something, or like that. I'm not afraid that I'm not going to get my needs met or something. Like there's something different that's happening in my mind, consciously, subconsciously, something (laughs) where I'm like, Oh, there's a different way to do this. And it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I have so much to say about that, but we'll, we'll circle back to it. Um, yeah, I just, I I find it so interesting. And I know that we have this sort of like positive psychology, um, context in common together Mm -hmm. as well. And, um, would love to hear about your experience and what brought you to this work and what, what you'd done prior, or if this has been like your thing forever. Yeah. So this has been my thing forever, which I feel like is quite rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew like I, as much as I tried to convince myself to major in anything, but psychology, somehow I ended up, you know, it's like, yeah, we knew we'd be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, and I think, you know, this is maybe a bold statement, but I, I do think like most people, have a natural curiosity to understand themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was just like the lens through which I saw everything. I just had a million and one questions about why we feel what we feel, why we think what we think, how we become the people we become, how we build our sense of selfhood and identity. And I just like could not go to bed until I had answers to to these like big questions. And I remember reading uh, a book called flow Mm-hmm. which is all about the psychology of optimal experience. And I turned to the back of the book, like 10 pages. And I was like, who is this author? Like, where is this man? I need to go find him. Yeah. <laughs> and I turned to the back of the book and I was like, okay, Claremont Graduate University. I guess I'm moving to LA. And I ended up <laughs> going to grad school to study the whole world of positive psychology. My first class was with, with him, the, the author of the book himself. And uh, it's just been like a there's no going back after that point. And I think, you know, I, my coaching, having been doing this for over 10 years now has of course evolved and changed as I've grown and evolved and changed. And I'm very much always in the work myself, as I know you also are. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I fell upon IFS and inner child work, it was kind of like that, that missing, like final piece that I never even knew a was a thing B something I talk a lot about on social media is how inner child work is often only spoken about in the context of trauma. And Mm -hmm. it's easily 
kind of just a tool where you're like, oh, well, I had a great childhood. I don't need to heal my inner child. And I'm really like my intention, mm. my goal with my platform is to really change the conversation around it because we all have an inner child to heal regardless of what your childhood was like. And I'm like very determined to um, give people, give people more access to this and, and just really learn about it because it can be the missing piece for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I think for those of us who are on the path of inner work and personal growth, it can be quite frustrating to feel like, to use Lizzo's words, she's like, I did the work, it didn't work, right? It's like, we want to make sure that what we're doing is working and that it's <laughs> lasting. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say there's like an end point to the work, but I... I'm just, yeah, super excited and passionate about having fallen into this world of, of IFS. And to your point, you know, listening to a lot of um, Dr. Becky's content and her book, you know, it's it's very much about parenting, but hello, like all we, all we're like, we're just, we're, we also get to parent ourselves, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. every time I see something in person, I'm like, oh, this applies to me and me, right? Like how mm-hmm. I do myself. <laughs> and so um, I love that she's getting more of her message out. Cause I do think whether or not you have a kid, whether or not you're a parent, like you, the way you talk to yourself is kind of like speaking to a child inside of you. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll stop there. Otherwise I could keep going. Mm. I know. I love it. I feel like these are the things that I'm like, we could talk about this one Forever. little piece forever. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, one of my friends was also, she had listened to like Dr. Becky's interview with um, Glennon on her podcast. And she was like, the way that she gave uh, like a, like a conversation model or an example of the way that you would react or respond to a child who's having a hard time. She was like, I started crying in the car because it was so profound, like to be spoken to that way, even to speak to myself that way, or if I have a child to speak to them that way, how different of an experience, like how different a blueprint that creates in their, you know, everything, their neurobiology, their experience, their perspectives, everything. Um, And I just find it so interesting. And I also was, I'm taking this course right now called Reimagining Women in Power. And one of the, I don't know if you would know her, um, Rianne Eisler is her name. She's written a couple books, but she's like an older woman who's been doing this work forever. And she's really inspiring. But what she was talking about was one of the first ways that we actually dismantle systems of oppression and create a more caring economy and all of the things is not just by looking at what can we do to change like political economic structures, but to really actually go to the core of what that sort of pyramid of hierarchy is built upon, which is this, it's like, how can we rewire our human minds to be more compassionate and accepting and um, tolerant and kind and all of the things because it's been shown and maybe you know more about this, but I think her organization or something, she cited this research that it's been shown that that form of like parenting in childhood actually changes the way we vote as adults. I, I believe that 100%. It yeah. Changes the way we do everything. So I think it's really 
important. And I think also people who are sort of in our generation today, I think they're trying to do that for their kids. And at the same time, they're like, wait, I didn't get that. So I don't really know what that looks like or sounds like or feels like. And so the reparenting part, like you said, is so important and and critical because if we're not doing it for ourselves, we can't actually extend that to anyone else, whether it's a child or a partner or a friend or yeah, whomever. Yeah. What comes up for me right away, as you said that is like the prerequisite, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. May realize, okay, now I've got to reparent myself, but the prerequisite to that is releasing the attachment to your actual parents Mm -hmm. meeting that, meeting that need for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So like an example for me that has changed the game and again, like set the foundation for me to be able to reparent myself in this way was for the longest time I was attached to getting a certain need met by my mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And to simplify it, it was the need for emotional validation, right. To not feel wrong for what I was feeling, to have space to share what, what I was feeling without being shamed or without having to like rush into feeling better and putting a smile on my face. And up until very recently in my life, I would show up to that relationship with this expectation and this attachment to her meeting that need in a very specific way. And what was interesting about that was that I would like that need was being met by a lot of other people in my life. My husband feels that need for me. My friends feel that need for me. My dad even feels that need for me in his own way. And yet there was still this part of me that was like, no, but it has to be met by mom in this specific way. And it has to sound like this. And if it doesn't, I'm disappointed again. I'm hurt again. I've proven to myself that she's this or not that. And that was like the, the, really the first part of the work was, okay, but do I, as the adult that I am today, do I really need this? Like, does my survival and my well being depend <laughs> on this specific person meeting this specific need in this specific way that mind you has never even been communicated to her. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, it's like a combination of releasing the attachment to that person and that need in that way. And there's some forgiveness work in that as well, but that has to happen before I'm like, okay, it is now my responsibility to meet this need, to repair it myself, to give myself what it is that this part of me is still like desperately holding out for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you say that, what, what bubbles up for me is like, oh, and then that, that maybe shows up those kinds of things, maybe not that exact example for in your case, but I feel like a lot of that stuff ends up showing up in relationships with clients within our business or customers or team members, or it, you know, it's not just so specific to this one area of our life, but it really informs the way that we relate or expect or receive support or don't, or ask for it or don't, or communicate or don't Yeah, (laughs) these pieces, right? Totally. It bleeds into everything. I, and again, just to go back to my example, having had that experience as a child, again, it's not trauma, right? She like Mm -hmm. over my head, great mom, but there was just something I needed that she didn't know how to give me. And I didn't know how to communicate in early life. Right. And Mm -hmm. as the, as the like predominant female figure in my life, 
having not had the resources or the, you know, intellect to be able to properly process that I've, I very quickly internalized that. And it created certain beliefs that again, were showing up way later in my life, way later in my business beliefs, like what I need and what I want, what my feelings are, doesn't matter. Client comes first, business comes first. I come second or last. And the other belief was almost a result of this like generalization. If my mom can't provide me with emotional support, no woman in the world can be a source of emotional support for me. Like that then, when that's what I'm bringing into my, again, whether it's the client relationships or female friendships, that's going to affect how I'm showing up, who I see myself as in the relationship, who I see the other person as our roles start to get kind of like tangled and messy. And so this stuff does like it shapes, it shapes us. And most often we don't really do the work or or take a step back to be like, "Mm, okay, is this something that's like actually still true for me? Is this, where does this come from? Is this something I want to carry forward in my life? Is this something that, you know, is, is worth the weight that's like mm-hmm. that it holds? Like, am I, do I want to yeah. keep hearing this in my backpack? Cause it's kind of feeling like a load of bricks back there, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too, because I feel like there's all this work out there on like limiting beliefs and, um, mindset work and all of that, which, you know, Great. And I feel like there's a lot of that work that can tend to stay more on the surface for people and not really get down into where does that like come from? Where's the origin of that thought or feeling or response or belief or whatever? And I feel like that's my, um, (laughs) sometimes it shows up as clients being like, I know I just need to work on my money mindset. And it's like, no, maybe not. Right. Like, yeah, maybe there's something different or more or a different access point to that. That's deeper beneath there. That's creating this result of your money mindset. Right. (laughs) Right. Or the way you're relating to money or the way that you feel when you go to launch something or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you know, mindset work, I spent most of my coaching career focusing mostly on mindset with clients and we got results. Like it worked Mm -hmm. and it, it didn't necessarily get to the root. And I, I, Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways I can explain this. I think what I'll say just to start around this is it's kind of like the whole, the, uh, everyone talks about how like affirmations and mantras can only be so helpful. Like if I've mm-hmm. spent my whole life believing that I'm not good enough and someone's telling me to just start telling myself that I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, but, okay, so I can change the thought and like flip it to the opposite. And now, you know, it's it, like, no, because there are going to be a lot, a lot of, uh, while you might logically, and I think this is the disconnect. It's like, okay, logically, I know I deserve money. Logically, I know I could have a great launch. Logically, I know I'm a successful entrepreneur. And yet there is a part of me that doesn't believe it for a second. And yet there is a part of me that feels the exact opposite. That's where the work is. That's when we go inside and we we sit with and we validate and we understand why this part of you started to feel that way, likely again, in early life. And 
and, and that's the part of you that needs to heal. Yeah, logically we have it, but inside is another part that's very much like, no, but the truth is very different than what you're logically trying to convince yourself of. We're not buying it, right? So that's the, the, the parts that aren't buying it, the parts that are like, yeah, but I still feel like I'm not good enough. That's when we talk to the part of us and we're like, okay, I, you know, it makes sense to me that you would feel that way. Tell me more about, tell me more about that. How does that feel? How did it feel? Who, who and where and when and why? Like, let's explore where that came from. And in some ways, like, if we think of these parts of us as frozen in time, right? It's like, how do we warm them up? How do we sit with them around a fire and be like, let's, let's, you know, thaw, let's thaw out a little bit. And, and when you're ready, once we can have the dialogue and the validating can happen and the understanding and the compassion, the curiosity, then you get to come with me and we get to be in our adult life together. But in some ways we like, it's like we're fragmented and we're, we've like left all these pieces of ourselves along the way that we just kind of get to call back through this work. And it's, uh, I could talk about it forever. Mm. Yeah. It feels really like nourishing and like there's an integration and a reclamation of all of these different parts of ourselves that didn't quite get all of what they needed at the time because like you said we didn't have the the ability to communicate or we didn't know that it was okay or we hadn't seen it modeled that way or we didn't we just didn't know because we were three or something yeah Yeah. which again it's like a a different way of understanding it compared to you know, well, you know, it was because our parents, like our, our parents did a really bad job. It's like, no, I mean, maybe, right. maybe that was your reality. And that's not the only um, way, I guess is the, the best word. That's not the only way that these beliefs, the, these types of internalized beliefs aren't always a direct result of how good our parents were. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It could be you right. were you were in a classroom, you were in one of my clients, third grade, or maybe even younger. She was in, you know, in reading class and they were sitting at these little pods with each other and and she was struggling to see because her eyesight was she's like her eyesight was getting worse and she needed glasses, but she thought that something was wrong with her and nobody knew that she was struggling to see. And anytime the teacher would come around and ask her to read, she would make it up because she, she couldn't read what was on the pages. She would make up a story. And in that moment, again, it's not like mom, dad did like in that moment, she mm-hmm. internalized her experience. Something must be wrong with me. Everyone knows I'm faking it. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm pretending, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I can't tell anybody because what if I do? And then either it, you know, it means I'm doomed for life or what if I do? And then it means I fail class. What if I do? And it means there, I disappoint my parents. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how we process things in early life. Right. And, and again, back to like how we typically, um, like that, that would have, and was manifesting in her adult life as imposter syndrome, which like you could do all the mindset work around imposter syndrome that you want. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but that was not like, again, not that that would not have helped, but mm-hmm. like, there is a reason why mm-hmm. that belief felt and became and was very true to you in a specific moment in time. And maybe it wasn't just a moment, maybe it was a culmination of experiences you had over time, but 
those are the types of connections where it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> like that makes sense. It makes sense that I would feel that way. Okay, now that I can tell myself it makes sense and I can validate and I can understand where that comes from, I'm not going to judge myself for feeling that way. I'm not going to make it wrong that I'm feeling that way. I'm not going to try to fix my imposter syndrome. I'm going to be with Mm -hmm. part of me that is stuck at that table with these kids, afraid that her teacher is going to get mad at her. Like, let's go be with her right now. So it's, yeah, it's such, it's such powerful, important work. Mm -hmm. And so healing. And I think it, you know, doing that just like you said, trickles into every other area of our lives and changes the way we show up. It changes the way we do everything because it, it the relationship with ourself is fundamentally different. Yes. Yeah. And we get to like repair all those little cracks that have happened. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like the true way to, you know, actually come into wholeness. I feel like there's so many different sort of like tropey things, like whole healing and wholeness and then like all these different ways. But I feel like that's really it. Like that's such a foundational blueprint. There was something else that it like sparked when you were talking and I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but um, something about like our parents or there's like an assumption that they were doing the best that they could. And also we're not with them all the time, you know, like Like in this school example. Right. And so it's not even about that, but I think there's also some, like you said, forgiveness work, but also this, this feeling of like, Oh, I can feel, I don't know why there's like some kind of thing still for most people that they're like, Oh my God, well, I can't, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there's like a feeling for a lot of us, I think that like, oh, well, if I recognize the things that weren't okay in my childhood or my early life, I can't have like a healthy functional relationship with my parents. Now, uh-huh. Uh-huh. now that I've like seen uh-huh. what's un- unfolded or the, the ways that uh, you know, mm-hmm. didn't certain things were more harmful than helpful, or the way that they responded wasn't ideal. And I think there's a lot of like when you first start to see that, yeah, there's a feeling of like, well, this is bad and wrong, and you know, oh my god, how could they do this to me? And they must have known that this was going to be the thing, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember yeah. why I was saying that, but yeah. you know, no, it, it can, important. it can bring up, you know, <laughs> I think I, I haven't necessarily experienced that. I, I, and I can speak more into that in a moment. I think my personal hesitation initially when I got into the inner child work was I don't want to offend my parents. Like, I don't want, cause I, you know, I speak about it on Instagram and on social and I, you know, it's like, I don't want them to think this is me being like, F you, you screwed me up. Like, right. and I, and it's funny. Cause even at, like, even yesterday I was, something came up about work and I was like, you know, it's just been really nice to remind people that like inner child work doesn't mean you had a bad childhood. It can be really helpful. Even if you had a great childhood, like we did, you know, and I'm yeah. just kind of trying to like, <laughs> reassure them. Um, but I, I get the, I get that it can definitely feel like 
Like, what is this going to mean? What is this going to mean about how I feel about them? What is this going to mean about how they feel about me if they were to know that I was doing this? And, you know, I think I've, I've never encountered a situation where somebody does the work and it turn it turning into like blaming their parents. I think because of the the unique approach and the method and the process we go through, there's actually an element of healthy detachment and also some ownership and and personal responsibility around, okay, this is what objectively happened. Mm-hmm. And then I came to make that mean blank. Okay, this is what objectively happened. And then I formed the belief that blank. Okay, that's a belief that I formed. Nobody told me. My mm-hmm. mom didn't tell me my feelings didn't matter. Right. But it was in the objective reality of her telling me to smile, for mm-hmm. example, that then made me believe that my feelings didn't matter. It's because nobody told me otherwise that I then filled in the blank and was like, I guess it must be something about me. Mm-hmm. And when I can, in some ways, like recognize that, oh, that's just a result of like how I processed, I can choose to make this mean something different now. I can choose a different belief about this now. I'm not pointing fingers saying it was anyone's fault because it in, in my instance or in that example, like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are my initial thoughts that come up mm-hmm. with your, with your yeah, comment. Yeah. I feel like there, what I was getting at is like, I think a lot of people are afraid to go to therapy or like do any of the adjacent things because they feel like it's just going to be like, too much. oh, well, my parents were bad and this is why I am the way that I am. And like, actually they were great. <laughs> and there might be some resistance for some people to even like go there. And Mm -hmm. I love that you say like inner child work is important, even if our childhood was amazing Mm -hmm. because it is, because it's all about our interpretation and how we've processed and made meaning about everything with, with not all the information, you know? And I think even in life today, one of the most helpful things to be in the practice of is like not making assumptions and filling in gaps that you don't you don't have the full story ever. <laughs> you don't have the full context unless you literally ask where yeah. there are gaps and fill them in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so fascinating. But yeah, and I and again, I think it, it just the to take the judgment and the shame and the like weight out of it. It's like you as a function of being a small person, <laughs> like, as a, as a, you know, little person, a new human. Small, yeah. Like, <laughs> we like, that's when you start forming beliefs about yourself, about other people and about life or the world around you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those beliefs serve you really well. Sometimes they served you really well, but not anymore. Sometimes mm-hmm. they never served you, but why not take the time to, assess, like take stock of what those are and, and reevaluate, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it, why not? Mm-hmm. I remember one of the things I was going to say, it was like, we're all just like, these are how we are interpreting things based on what we perceive to be necessary for our survival at that age. Yeah. Right. So like under seven, we don't know. <laughs> And our parents are the ones who are like totally responsible for us. So we have to kind of like 
you know, our, the way we interpret it, right. Is we kind of have to like shape shift and please them to be safe and stay alive, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, we're all doing that, whether our parent is amazing or whether there are things that they like really could have done a better job around, but did the best that they could, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's all. I remember that. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're all just trying to survive. It's all good. Yeah. Doing our best. And sometimes the way that we try to survive, like you said, is no longer serving us and is actually yep. holding us back in business, in life, in relationships, yep. in forming depth of connection, yep. all the things, right? All and like intimacy, all of the above. And I do, you know, I think the one thing I'll add to that is it did serve you at mm-hmm. some point in some way. And Another very necessary part of the process. I'm actually going to write this down because I'm, I'm teaching a workshop on Friday. I'm like, this is really yeah. good. Job. Uh, Great. <laughs> it's on the three mistakes we make on our personal growth journey. And mm. there are these things that, okay, we've now got the awareness that it's not serving anymore. Okay. Let's change it. Let's fix it. Let's, let's, you know, let go mm-hmm. of it. Let's get rid of it. It's not working anymore. Quick, quick, quick. again it's like your whole internal operating system has been functioning with this idea and evidence that like no this belief that you're not good enough has actually let's say for example as an entrepreneur you've you've carried this belief that you're not good enough and yet somehow you're convinced that that belief maybe in some ways is like motivating you to work even harder And you've likely done some things well. You've likely succeeded, had accomplishments, had achievements while operating from that belief. So the assumption is that if I stop thinking this, maybe I'll lose motivation. If Mm. I stop thinking this, Mm -hmm. I'm risking all the success that actually kind of came with it. So in some ways Mm -hmm. it is kind of working for me. So I'd rather just like keep (laughs) thinking it because, Mm -hmm. you know, things aren't that bad. Right. Right. And, and so again, the piece to this, and this is kind of a larger lesson or tip, if you will, in like letting go of the things that are no longer serving what we often uh, forget to do or, um, like don't see the value in is actually honoring the thing for, mm-hmm. for how it did serve and for what it did do. And to, to let it go from a place of loving on it, like Marie Kondo, right. She's like, okay, well, it's hard to let go. So take a moment and say, thank you for its service before you mm-hmm. like donate the cute thing that you never wore. Like, instead of doing it with guilt and shame and judgment, like, no, it did. It very much served a purpose and it very much did get you to where you are. So can we, instead of coming at it from a, this is wrong and I have to fix this because it's a problem. It's like, no, it's actually been such a gift that has now reached an expiration date, but thank you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I see what you did for me, you know, and it's, it's sometimes that piece that we um, don't realize gets to happen and needs to happen before we can actually like fully let it go. Mm. I love that. That's so crucial because I, I also feel like there are a lot of quote unquote coaches out there who, who use that sort of like, you know, this is in your way, get over this block, let's move through it, drop it, stop doing that. But it's like the same, um, 
it's like what not to do yeah, in parenting. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. It's, aggressive, it's dishonoring. It's yes. not accepting. And it sort of just recreates again, this yes. sort of like oppressive, um, like a, an oppressive form of like control and yeah. um, uh-huh. what's the other word that I'm looking for? Like punitive yeah. punishment yeah. kind yeah. of um, approach yeah. to behavior change, which doesn't work. It doesn't work. Right? It, <laughs> it literally, it creates rebellion. It, it, you know, tell us more about why that doesn't work. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly, <laughs> you're exactly right. It perpetuates the kind of blame shame cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and you do see, I mean, I used to say it all the time before I really understood parts work and IFS and inner child work, like get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. And if I now were to say that, or to think about that through the lens of, again, IFS and inner child work, it's like, no, what's, what's in the way is not me. What's in the way is this very, very tender and scared and, you know, um, and like vulnerable part of me. I would never talk like that to that part of me. Like I just get out of my way. It's like, okay, (laughs) I see that you're here. Even in the days where I, and I, I, I mean, I practice this work every day. I write to my, all my different parts every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, on the days where I'm having some sort of resistance or feeling like I'm stuck or getting in my own way, I'll literally write to my parts every morning, like, good morning, everybody. (laughs) Like I'm noticing you're like, I'm noticing that you guys are kind of in a bad mood today. And that is totally fine with me. If you want to keep feeling that way today, do your thing. Just know that I'm here. Know that I'm listening. Let me know what you need from me. And it's in that it's in my ability to be like, I totally get why you're pissed off today. It makes Mm -hmm. total sense to me. I'm not here to change it. I'm not here to fix it. It's not bad. I'm just here Mm -hmm. to get to know you and get to know it. And just in that, like there is literally a physiological, (laughs) like, okay, we don't have to convince her of why we're feeling this way. We don't have to try to like change it. It's not being judged. And it's Mm -hmm. in that it's in the acceptance of it that we actually get to like clear it. Right. And I think a lot of people are like, well, if I really acknowledge it and sit in it and be with it, then, then I'm just going to like sink into it even more. And literally the opposite happens when you, Mm -hmm. when you actually do it in, in the right way. When I say the right way, it's with, with curiosity, it's with compassion. It's with like, you've got to, it's got to feel like, authentic and honest and truthful to you. Um, yeah. So I don't know why I brought that up, but Mm. it it can, it can be very, um, healing and, and again, necessary in our process of getting unstuck, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm just gonna hear what if getting unstuck requires that you let yourself like be stuck. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how you get unstuck. Your stuckness is because you don't want to be stuck. You're resisting the stuck. Mm-hmm. Feel the stuck, allow the stuck. Being stuck actually in my mind is a sign of progress because it just, mm-hmm. it's like you've outgrown something. Now you're feeling stuck on what's next, but like that's progress. So mm-hmm. celebrate the stuck, be with the stuck, understand the stuck, get to know the stuck. That will move mm-hmm. you out of the stuck. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's exactly like 
so relevant to what we often come up against in our business or like a leadership challenge or initiation into like a next level of some kind. And I think for me, that's why I love talking about business and, you know, leadership as an evolutionary process, because it does get to be this like upward spiral of evolution that we continue to like ride. And it gets to be fun like that when we, when we, actually let ourselves accept that there are going to be seasons that we're just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And there are going to be moments of like impasse and there are going to be moments of crossroads and like discernment and key decisions. And there are going to be moments of feeling like you're on top of the world and everything's amazing and it's working and it's flowing so well. And then there are seasons where it's like, Oh, everything suddenly just start like decided to come to a screeching halt for no apparent reason that right. is out of my control. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like where I think that's the whole point, you know, of entrepreneurship, of of leadership, of business ownership, of being a founder, of having a mission, of any of it. It's like we get to have this experience where we keep being curious about what's coming up, what's showing up and how we move through it. Well, how we can navigate it better. And that comes through that like acceptance and curiosity and compassion Mm -hmm. because otherwise people, Oh my gosh, it's like the, it's, I don't know if it's like the, maybe it's just what our society and like our systems at play and the way that we're brought up and like the narrative, whatever, but that's like, where most people are 99% of the time in their business is like banging their head against the wall, feeling frustrated and resisting everything that's happening and feeling like they don't have permission to do it differently. And there must be a certain formula to follow and step one, two, three, four, five, and then I'll get unstuck. And it's like, what if it was just like, accept that this is a moment you're going to have like a month where you're open to receiving a new idea. Yes. Or you accept that you don't know what you're doing. And so then you get curious and you have a lot of conversations with people who fall into your target audience. And you say, have you ever worked with someone like me before? And if so, what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. And tell me what you liked about it. Tell me what you didn't like about it. Mm -hmm. And then you also go look and see what's happening in the landscape of my industry right now. And where are there opportunities to like disrupt and innovate and change things? do it differently. Like it leads us to the solutions and the answers both in our own personal internal process, but also in like our business (laughs) because it's it's just the process of evolution. And I think in psychology, it's that broaden and build theory by Barbara Fredrickson. It's that like literal upward spiral. And I can't remember exactly what yeah, the three to one. Yeah, the three yeah. to one ratio for every three positive feelings, one negative feeling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it works. Yeah, and I, I do. You know, just in you saying that too, what I wrote down is, um, yes, there is. Like, what if, what if we went one step beyond the accepting of those seasons and actually mm-hmm. celebrated yes. being in. Spaces because again, it's a sign of progress. It's a sign of mm-hmm. growth. You've reached yep. a new edge. You reached a new edge. Like one of my coaches, anytime 
would come to him and be like, oh, I'm struggling with this or da da da. He'd be like, congratulations. Like yeah. you, are <laughs> next, you are at the next level. Now you get mm-hmm. to solve and be presented with and feel challenged by these like next level problems. Now you've got millionaire problems. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats on being a millionaire. Let's solve some new problems. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. There will always be problems to be solved. There will always be challenges. There will always be roadblocks. There will always be things that are out of your control, but like you get to now solve these problems instead yeah. of those problems. And those problems are problems of your past. Right. And these are problems of your future, where you're going. And that's right. progress. And to your point, like, what if we were to approach these problems with curiosity versus back to the inner child stuff, like making it mean something about you? Oh, Mm -hmm. this must mean I don't know what I'm doing. This must Mm -hmm. mean I'm not good enough. This must mean I'll never be successful. No, it's just a problem. Let's solve it. Like be Mm -hmm. in the energy of the (laughs) end, right? Like it's, it's so again, like relevant to so many people in so many ways. Um, but I think to anyone who's listening and you're, you're facing, you're, you're at that edge, like congrats, we celebrate you for like Yay. Level of, of problems and solutions you get to experience. Mm-hmm. So true. I love that. You know, we also wanted to chat briefly about like we did talk about all the different parts, but I think the cool thing about the women in this community who are listening to this is that they are so multidimensional. And I shared with you this example before we started recording, but like we had a meetup today as of this day of we're recording and um, it was so fun. And one of my current clients came and she like told this story and this is always happening in our community. And it's the most fun thing like new parts of people will be revealed. Like she was like, oh yeah, I was a dolphin trainer for seven years in Hawaii before this. And then I lived in the Caribbean and that's where I met my husband. And then Uh I was like, what? I've known you for months. We've worked very in depth together. This is a new facet of you. I had no idea about. (laughs) So it's so awesome. Um, But yeah, I think it's really, it's beautiful. I think what is happening in my business and what's being created right now is that there is this space and and what I'm hearing reflected from people is that it's different in that there is this space to bring all of you and not just like put a name tag on and shake hands and pass out business cards and do quote unquote networking because that makes me want to puke also. I just Uh hate that. (laughs) Like anti-networking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I think it's really, it's so important and I'm sure you can speak to this more to really have places where we can go and feel like, oh, all of me is allowed and welcome and good here. And it's not like there's a part of me that's like, not allowed to be expressed or, you know, I have to be this way because I'm talking about my business or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the real connection and the real community is built when we reveal these other aspects of ourselves that have nothing to do with like Mm -hmm. what our profession is, even though they might inform it or they might make us more interesting, or there's maybe some tie or connection, but it's actually through the very like human 
all of the different parts and all the different fun things we get to play with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. You said it yourself. I think if we, again, look at this through the lens of IFS and inner child work, whether it's conscious or not, we tend to show up in certain environments presenting in a certain way, right? Like I'm showing up as my, like, this is, this is the perfectionist part of me, right? Or this is the really smart part of me. This is the really practical, like we kind of shape shift and we show up as the person, as the version of the person we think we need to be or should be in order to gain safety, security, approval, whatever it is we're seeking or telling ourselves we need in that situation. But by by the very nature of doing that, okay, this part gets to be seen, but these parts don't. Not only are we hiding these other parts of ourselves, but what we're actually doing is rejecting them, mm-hmm. right? And the, the moment we, again, consciously, whether it's conscious or not, reject a part of us, what we're saying to that part of us is you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not valuable enough. You're not important enough. What you have isn't uh, worthy of being seen or being shown or whatever. And when that happens, these parts of us feel or fall even deeper into abandonment, neglect. They get mad at us. They sabotage us. They like, they act out in their own ways. And and so, yeah, I mean, it is an invitation to to at least be willing to consider that all of all of your parts have gifts and wisdom and resources and and they also all have positive intentions for you. Even your even your perfectionist part or your people pleaser part or your inner critic, like all of your parts want you to be happy, healthy, successful. Your inner critic thinks it's helping you by you know, pointing out your flaws. So you just work harder. It's like, it thinks it's helping. Right. And if we can just kind of recognize that a, they all have positive intentions, B, they're all holding on to some sort of baggage. C, they need us to understand them. And, and in some ways, like let them know that we get it and that maybe there's another way to do this. Appreciate what you've done, but let's try something else there's room for them all. There's a room for them all, whether or not we, whether or not in this moment you believe that, because there's also like all the messages we get from the world and society and media where like, this part of you is good. This part of you is presentable, but don't show up in X, Y, Z way. Like this is, it's in some ways it's bigger than us, but we are the only ones who can like rally and integrate and say, no, this it's all of me or you don't get any of it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so true. I wonder if reality TV is like changing the way that we think about that as a society and a culture. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious. I'm really curious. In terms of the like case. people seeing different sides of. Yeah. Or like having only one, right? Like I'm just thinking of obviously like Kim Kardashian or something. It's like, yeah. we know everything for the most part. I mean, we can never know everything, but like we know a lot of like, We know about her, all of her breakups and divorces. And we know about how she interacts with different family members under stress versus not. And we know like all these different things, you know? So it makes you be able to see more of like a whole human being. Sure. Than just one, like if we only knew her, let's say as like a, the owner of Skims or something, 
And there was no reality TV behind it, or there was no like social media, or there was no whatever. I wonder what our perception would be if it were just like that one narrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I wonder if that's like shifting for us, this idea, because you think about like in the fifties or sixties, 1950s, 1960s, that like there was such a narrow way where it was like, this is the only way you can show up here. Mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to like widen Mm -hmm. that. I I hope, I think more as like a culture and it's becoming more normal to like talk about sex and wine and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You put, you know, again, you mix that with what you were taught directly Mm -hmm. or indirectly, the rules you started to follow as a young tiny person, right? It's Mm -hmm. like you get the societal stuff and then you also get the like, oh, based on what I'm seeing, Mm -hmm. I, the only way to leave the house is by doing my hair and putting on lipstick because that's what mom does. So Mm -hmm. if I don't get dressed nice and look pretty, I'm not presentable. I can't leave, like, again, those small ways where, where we, it's like, oh, I guess that's a rule. I'm going to write down, you know, write that down in my book of how to do life. And I know that's what I see. That's what I know. It seems to be working. So let's just follow that recipe. Mm -hmm. So it's layered. It's multifaceted and it, yeah, you know, contributes to our layers. Like I've got a part of me. I've got all these parts of me, the part of me that's like, no, I really want to look nice when I go out. The other part, part of me that's like, fuck that. Just like be who you are. And like, yeah, you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, (laughs) I've got a lot of inter, there's a lot of internal dialogue. Let's, let's understand what these parts of me actually need our thinking, our feeling, and decide how to lead and make decisions from like my actual self, not from their chitter chatter. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's the ultimate goal of all this work is that I'm living from and reacting from, cause we're always going to be reacting to life, but what is the place from which I am reacting? What is the place from which I am thinking? What is the place from which I am feeling, from which I am leading my life, from which I'm making my choices? Is it coming from a subconscious wound? Is it coming from like just what I learned to believe is true? Or is it coming from like me as the person I am today rooted in my life now? Let's take inventory. Let's hear what they have to say, but let's choose consciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really important. Mm-hmm. I love this. I feel like we really could talk about this first. <laughs> I could for sure. I could keep going, but I feel like we've covered quite a lot. And I, yeah. you know, I think hopefully there are some places for people to at least start understanding a little bit more about themselves and, you know, what are some of the rules start there, pen to paper as a child, mm-hmm. I saw, I learned this was modeled. I came to believe and just start taking stock. Stay curious. Um, I've got some resources I'm happy to share as well for like intro steps. Um, but I'll kind of let you lead lead us awesome. in that part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, where can people find more about you or those resources that you mentioned or what you yeah. have coming up? Where can they like plug in with you? 
Yeah. So Instagram is the best place to just plug in and get a feel for my work. Um, if anyone is looking for kind of an introductory, like, where do I start with this inner child work? What is it really? What does it look like? I did just create a five-day kind of intro to inner child work. It's a five-day challenge self, I mean, I say self-paced, it's five days. You do it on your own time. There's no, like everyone starts on this date and it's live. Like you can just pop into it at any point in time. And every day for five days, you'll get some pretty simple prompts just to start guiding you into some of this internal dialogue and awareness. Um, so that's, that's the best place to start. And Instagram is the best place to, to kind of tune into the conversations happening here. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, we've got some other stuff, but that's kind of where I like, like people to start. So that's a good point. Amazing. Do you have a podcast of your own? I do. I haven't released a new episode in months. Okay. Um, there, We've got two seasons of, of episodes up for anyone who's curious. It's called Sincerely Me. I may pick it back up in the future. Um all about, you know, personal growth and meaning and purpose, positive psychology. I don't actually, I don't think I've gone into any of this stuff on the podcast. Again, I haven't recorded an episode for quite a while, maybe even a year now, <laughs> uh, just shift of priorities and, and point of focus. But there are lots of conversations there um, for anyone who's curious. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay. So go check her out on Instagram and see what the latest is by the time this episode comes out. Um, I know there might be some new things, so yeah, super exciting. Always, always, <laughs> always new things. Always evolving. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun and valuable. And I know that everyone listening is going to get some little nugget for themselves that just lands. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. And shout out to Lillian. Thank you, Lillian. And connecting us. This was awesome. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Keep your mind wide open. Keep your soul alive. You've got all the answers. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Like Nobody's Business. So, what did you think? I hope you found this episode absolutely enlivening. If you loved it, I'd be so, so grateful if you'd help me spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend or a loved one you know would feel supported and encouraged by this too. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. It's also infinitely helpful to me and to my team if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast so that other trailblazers like you can find this resource, know it exists, and step out of struggle and into more ease. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today and for taking this space to receive nourishment for your greatest vision. And in case no one told you this today, you are wildly brilliant beautifully wise and radically trustworthy. Keep shining your light so that all of those who need what you're here to share with our world can see, feel, and experience your unique medicine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon.
like nobody's business.